Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and my co-host is Katie Bug. We have already discussed this, Ellen. No bugs! What about Katie did? Oh, for fuck's sake. Let's just fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 27, the centaur and the sneak, and the film scenes that corresponded with about half of that half of the chapter. Hermione takes a ride on a douche canoe when she refers to Ferenz as a horse. Hogwarts goes the extra mile when Feng Shuiing the new divination classroom. Ferenz takes the title of biggest hippie in the castle from Dumbledore. Ron completely forgets that if he wants info about the war, he just has to ask his best friend, not the stars. Seamus chooses the wrong time to join the DA. And Harry saves Dobby from further concussing himself, but can't save himself from Umbridge's clutches. During episode 166, Memoroid, our Potter pondering was, how do you feel about the movie leaving Dobby out so that Harry and the DA members do not get a warning before Umbridge and the Inquisitorial squad shows up? Hey guys, Jackson here, calling in my Potter pondering for this week. How do I feel about them not having Dobby warn the DA? Oh, you know, honestly, I'm just repeating myself multiple times here. It pisses me off. Dobby was one of the best characters, should have been in Order of the Phoenix movie, and it's rubbish. It's just rubbish. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How do I feel about them omitting Dobby from these scenes in the movie and pretty much making up their own idea about what the fuck happened? If you don't recognize by my sarcastic tone, I feel angry. Because I love Dobby, and I say this all the time on my ponderings. Hear it again. They did him a disservice, and they couldn't afford to CGI him in all the movies. We already got one house elf, okay? We got to save the two for the later movie, okay? We can't put them in here. It costs too much. We got to save some more money. Make it make sense. Don't get me wrong, you know, Umbridge busting down the wall with a little goofy-ass face, eh, it is interesting enough, but uh, I just love Dobby, and I love seeing him in action, and I wish they would have gave him his spot in the movies that they just decided to delete him out of. Then maybe, maybe, at the end of the series... When he's unalived, people would care more about Dobby's death. But they don't, because they only seen him two times. Make it make sense, because they don't. Hello, my name is Logan. And in whether I was mad about Dobby not being shown in the movie when the Inquisitorial Squad literally destroyed a whole hallway, I'm indifferent in which will probably not get the right response, but I feel like it made everything a bit more panicked as soon as like, oh, shoot, 
inquisitorial squads here. God damn it. Gotta get out. So that's why I think that Dobby being there kind of just made it a bit more like more heartbreaking that they didn't get out unscathed. But I thought there was more like drama when they realized themselves that it was coming. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, who gave testimony that Potter had met a number of fellow students in the Hogshead back in October? It was a wizard by the name of Willie Wittershins, who was the guy in the Hogshead under all the bandages. See? I love how it Turned just into gets a thing. mentioned in passing, and yep. now it's significant. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're watching the movie, in which case it wasn't included at all. But no. congratulations goes to Mike Riley. This was another really close one between Mike and Megan. Mm -hmm. Fuel was also added to the fire since Podbean again did not auto post the episode to Facebook like it used to for like three years. No issues. At Podbean. Help. Yeah. What's going on? Right. But they were both waiting for me to manually post it. So they were ready. (laughs) And the moment it went up, they were just seconds apart. But I did get the notification from Mike's comment first. Well, there you go. So the win goes to him. Mm-hmm. He now has a two-week streak going. Well. But like I said, so close. We've had a few other glitches with the episode not posting to the big platforms right away, too. Got a couple of messages about that. Mm-hmm. They should be there now. Keep sending us messages through whatever social media you use or email or text us or something if you ever have trouble getting the episode because we always post them on time unless... Something happens and we notify you. Yeah. Like, we're not going to just not post it. Right. And Podbean is just not posting it for us. It's just, I don't know what's going on. I reset some of the connections. Hopefully that fixes the issue. Fingers crossed. Maybe it'll actually auto post to Facebook next week. And then Mike and Megan can battle it out properly. Mm -hmm. I wonder who's going to win. We shall see. For now, let's dive into the second half of chapter 27, the centaur and the sneak, and the mostly corresponding film scenes, aside from one really, really glaring difference. And some missing details. That too. A lot of missing details. All the missing details. (laughs) You want details? They're missing. Read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 27, The Centaur and the Sneak, Part 2. Dumbledore's office is full of people, with the headmaster sitting behind his desk looking serene with his fingertips together. Professor McGonagall is standing next to him looking extremely tense. Cornelius Fudge is standing by the fire rocking back and forth on his toes and looking extremely pleased about the whole situation. Harry also sees Kingsley Shacklebolt and another wizard who he doesn't recognize standing guard on either side of the door. Plus, Percy Weasley, who is excitedly hovering by the wall, poised over a scroll of parchment, ready to take notes. None of the portraits are bothering to pretend to be asleep, all watching, alert and serious, and Harry's entrance prompts some of them to flit into their neighbor's frames and begin urgently whispering. He pulls himself free of Umbridge's grasp as the door closes and looks to the minister who is glaring at him with vicious satisfaction. Harry glares back, his heart pounding, but his head cool and clear. Umbridge informs the minister that the Malfoy boy cornered Harry while he was on his way back to Gryffindor Tower. 
Fudge acknowledges this with appreciation, making note to tell Lucius, then tells Potter he expects he knows why he's there. Harry is completely prepared to give a defiant yes, but catches Dumbledore give a very subtle shake of his head and midway changes his answer to no. Fudge is incredulous that Harry claims to not know and asks him again, but Harry insists that he does not. Fudge asks Harry more specifically, wanting to know if he isn't aware that he has broken school rules or ministry decrees. Harry continues to play dumb and almost takes pleasure in telling these lies to the minister, except that he has no idea how he's going to get away with them since it seems like someone tipped off Umbridge about the DA. Fudge then flat out asks if it's news to him that an illegal student organization has been discovered within this school. Harry unconvincingly insists that it is, so Umbridge suggests fetching her informant. Fudge agrees, making a malicious comment to Dumbledore about there being nothing like a good witness. Dumbledore gravely confirms this, and after several minutes, Umbridge returns with Cho's friend, Marietta, who is hiding her face in her hands. Umbridge pats her on the back and tells her that it's all right and that she's done the right thing. She says that the minister is very pleased with her and will tell her mother what a good girl she has been. Then explains to the minister that her mother is Madame Edgecombe, who has been helping them police the Hogwarts fires. Fudge praises her, then asks her to look up and leaps back in shock when she does, and he sees that her face is horribly disfigured by some close-set purple pustules across her nose and cheeks, forming the word sneak. Marietta immediately pulls her robes back over her face, and Umbridge impatiently tells her not to mind the spots now. In response, Marietta just wails and shakes her head, so Umbridge decides to tell him herself. She explains that Miss Edgecombe arrived at her office just after dinner and told her that if she proceeded to a secret room on the seventh floor, known as the Room of Requirement, she would find something out to her advantage. Unfortunately, the hex then came into operation, and when she saw her reflection in the mirror, she became too distressed to say any more. Fudge gives Marietta what he thinks is a fatherly look and tells her that she did the right thing, saying she was very brave. He then asks about the purpose of the meeting, but Marietta refuses to speak. Fudge asks Umbridge if they have a counter jinx so she can speak freely, and the High Inquisitor is forced to admit that she hasn't been able to find one, which gives Harry a surge of pride over Hermione's jinxing ability. Umbridge instead changes the subject to remind the minister about the report she sent back in October, that Potter had met a number of students in the Hogshead in Hogsmeade. McGonagall wants to know what her evidence is, and Umbridge informs her that she has testimony from Willie Wittershins, who was in the bar covered in bandages at that time and heard every word Potter said. She starts to explain that he went straight to the school to report to her, but McGonagall cuts her off to call the ministry out on not prosecuting Willie for all the regurgitating toilets. One of the portraits begin to yell about blatant corruption, but Dumbledore quietly tells him that will do. Umbridge continues talking to say that the point of meeting the students was to persuade them to join an illegal society, with the aim to learn spells and curses the Ministry has decided are inappropriate. Dumbledore cuts in to tell Dolores that she's wrong, and Harry has no idea how the Headmaster plans to talk his way out of this one. 
Fudge is expecting some kind of cock and bull story like Willie Wittershins was lying or it was Potter's identical twin that day. Or perhaps it's the usual simple explanation involving time travel, a dead man coming back to life, and some invisible dementors. Percy Weasley lets out a hearty laugh, appreciating the minister's joke, and Harry wants to kick him, but is distracted when he sees that Dumbledore is smiling too. The headmaster insists that he's not denying that Harry was in the Hogshead or trying to recruit students to a defense against the Dark Arts group. He's just pointing out that at that time they had that meeting, a group like that was not illegal, so Harry wasn't breaking any rules that day. Percy looks like he's been struck by something and Fudge freezes with his mouth hanging open. Umbridge is the first one to recover and sweetly points out that it's been six months since Educational Decree Number 24 was introduced and those meetings that have happened since are absolutely illegal. Dumbledore politely asks her if she has evidence that those meetings have continued and as he speaks, Harry thinks he hears Kingsley whisper something as he feels a gentle brush against his side. Umbridge asks Dumbledore why he thinks Miss Edgecombe is there and he responds by asking if she can tell them about six months' worth of meetings, because he was under the impression that she was reporting only a meeting for that night. Umbridge immediately asks Marietta how long the meetings have been going on, suggesting that merely nodding or shaking her head won't make the spots worse. When she directly asks if the meetings have been happening regularly over six months, Harry's stomach drops. Umbridge continues to encourage Marietta to shake or nod, and she looks up, eyes looking a little blank. To Harry's amazement, Marietta shakes her head no. Umbridge repeats the question, sure she doesn't understand, but Marietta continues to shake her head. Umbridge asks what she means shaking her head, and McGonagall harshly speaks up to clarify that it means there have been no secret meetings for the past six months. She asks Marietta if that's correct, and the girl nods her head. Umbridge furiously asks her about the meeting that night, calling Potter the leader, but Marietta keeps shaking her head. This makes Umbridge pretty angry as she inquires why she keeps shaking her head, and when McGonagall informs her that shaking her head means no, Umbridge grabs Marietta to make her face her and begins to shake her. In an instant, Dumbledore is on his feet, wand raised, for the first time looking angry. Kingsley starts forward too and Umbridge releases Marietta as Dumbledore tells her that he cannot allow her to manhandle his students and Kingsley tells her she better calm herself so she doesn't get into trouble. Marietta is still standing where Umbridge released her, clutching her robes up to her blank eyes and Harry makes the connection between Kingsley's whisper and the thing he felt brush past him. Fudge speaks up again to return the topic specifically to the meeting they know happened tonight, and Umbridge pulls herself together to fill them in. She explains that she took certain trustworthy students with her to catch them in the meeting red-handed, but when they arrived, everyone was running. She says it doesn't matter because she had Pansy Parkinson go into the room of requirement to see what was left behind, and the room provided them with a list of names. She says that the moment she saw Potter's name, she knew what they were dealing with, and Fudge smiles as he looks at the list. He then sees what the name of the group is and looks to Dumbledore as he comments on the name, Dumbledore's Army. 
Dumbledore reaches for the parchment and for a moment seems unable to speak before looking back up and smiling as he simply says that the game is up. He asks Cornelius if he would like a written confession or if the witnesses would suffice. Harry notices McGonagall and Kingsley exchange looks of fear, but neither he nor Fudge seem to understand what is going on. As Fudge questions Dumbledore, the headmaster clarifies that the group is called Dumbledore's Army, not Potter's Army. This seems to click for Fudge as he jumps back in fear, now completely convinced that he has the evidence that Dumbledore was indeed forming his own army. Dumbledore feeds into this, telling Fudge that tonight was supposed to be the first meeting to see if they would be interested, and now he sees that it was a mistake to invite Miss Edgecombe. Marietta nods, and Fudge bursts out that he has been plotting against him. Dumbledore cheerfully confirms this, and Harry shouts, No! Kingsley and McGonagall both flash him warning looks, and Dumbledore tells him to be quiet, or he will have to leave his office. Fudge also tells Harry to shut up, but is way too distracted by his excitement that he showed up to expel Potter, but instead gets to arrest Dumbledore. Dumbledore smiles and says it's like losing a canut and finding a galleon, and Fudge yells to Percy to make sure he got everything down. Percy joyfully confirms this, and Fudge sends him off to duplicate his notes and send them to the Daily Prophet. Percy hurries out, and Fudge turns back to Dumbledore, telling him that he will be escorted back to the Ministry, where he will be formally charged and sent to Azkaban to await trial. Dumbledore gently tells him that he thought they would hit this snag, and when Fudge says he sees no snag, Dumbledore explains that he does, because Fudge seems to be laboring under the delusion that he is going to come quietly. He sets the record straight by informing the minister that he has no intention of going to Azkaban, stating that he could just break out, but it would be such a waste of time. Umbridge's face is steadily growing redder as Fudge just stares at Dumbledore like he's stunned. He then looks to Kingsley and the other man, who gives Fudge a nod and moves away from the wall as his hand drifts towards his wand. Dumbledore kindly tells the man not to be silly, calling him dollish, and saying that he's sure he's an excellent oar, but that if he attempts to bring him in by force, he will have to hurt him. Dollish blinks and hesitates, looking back to Fudge, unsure of what to do. Fudge seems to recover and asks Dumbledore if he intends to take on Dollish, Shacklebolt, Dolores, and himself single-handedly. And Dumbledore smiles as he says, only if they are foolish enough to force him. McGonagall loudly insists that he will not be single-handed, but Dumbledore sharply responds that he will because Hogwarts needs her. Fudge decides to end this now and pulls out his own wand as he orders Dollish and Shacklebolt to take him. Among a streak of silver light and a loud bang, someone grabs Harry by the neck and forces him down to the floor. A second flash, screams from portraits, Fox's screech, and a cloud of dust is followed by a streak, thud, and then someone crying, No! Glass breaks, and there's some scuffling footsteps, a groan, and then silence. Harry looks around to see that McGonagall is crouched beside him as she had pulled him and Marietta out of harm's way. Dumbledore moves towards them and asks if they are all right. They get up as the dust clears and see the wreckage of Dumbledore's office. Desk and tables overturned, silver instruments in pieces, fudge, 
Umbridge, Kingsley, and Dawlish are all motionless on the floor, and Fox is flying in circles above them. Dumbledore explains that he had to hex Kingsley, too, so it wouldn't look suspicious, but asks Minerva to thank him for modifying Marietta's memory like that. He also tells them that they will all wake soon, but it's best that they don't know they had time to communicate. McGonagall wants to know where he will go, asking about Grimmauld Place, but Dumbledore says that he has no intention of going into hiding and promises them that Fudge will soon regret dislodging him from Hogwarts. Harry starts to apologize to his headmaster, but Dumbledore cuts him off to instruct him to study occlumency and to practice closing his mind, asking him to promise him. Dawlish begins to stir, so Dumbledore just repeats for Harry to remember to close his mind as he grabs his wrist. Harry feels a pain in his scar as he again feels that terrible snake-like longing to strike the man in front of him. Fox circles around and swoops towards them. Dumbledore releases Harry's wrist and grasps the phoenix's long golden tail. In a flash of fire, they disappear. Fudge pushes himself up from the ground, yelling about Dumbledore's absence, asking where he is, and Kingsley jumps up, also shouting that he doesn't know. Umbridge yells that he can't have disapparated inside the grounds, and Dawlish yells and rushes to the stairs, followed closely by Kingsley and Umbridge. Fudge nastily tells Minerva that this is the end of her friend Dumbledore. Though she scornfully questions this, Fudge doesn't seem to hear her as he looks around the office. Several portraits hiss at him, and a couple even make a rude hand gesture, but Fudge just looks back at McGonagall and tells her to get Harry and Marietta off to bed. She says nothing and just marches the two students out the door. As it closes behind them, Harry hears Phineas Nigellus tell the minister that he disagrees with Dumbledore on many counts, but you cannot deny he's got style. The movie section picks up with a semi-aerial view of Dumbledore in his office right after Umbridge and the Inquisitorial Squad interrupted the DA meeting and apprehended Harry. Umbridge's voice can be heard talking about Dumbledore's army, and the scene shifts to a normal view of the office as she, the minister, Kingsley, and another Auror are confronting Dumbledore, who is casually sitting on the edge of his desk. Percy Weasley has both Harry and Cho by their robes as he guides them around a table. Umbridge continues talking, accusing Dumbledore of fear-mongering about you-know-who, saying they saw through his lies, which were just a smokescreen for his bid to seize control of the Ministry. Dumbledore calmly agrees, saying, naturally, but Harry bursts out in protest, insisting that Dumbledore had nothing to do with it and it was all him. Dumbledore tells Harry that it is very noble of him to shield him, but points out that the parchment clearly says Dumbledore's army, not Potter's. He tells Fudge and his entourage that he instructed Harry to form the organization and claims sole responsibility for its activities. Fudge instructs Percy to dispatch an owl to the Daily Prophet and to hurry so they can make the morning edition. He then tells Dolish and Shacklebolt to escort Dumbledore to Azkaban to await trial for conspiracy and sedition. At these words, Dumbledore stands and politely interjects to say that he thought they might hit this little snag. As he walks around to stand behind his desk, he elaborates that they seem to be laboring under the delusion that he is going to come quietly. He informs them that he has no intention of going to Azkaban. Umbridge interrupts to angrily whisper, Enough of this! as she yells, Take him! The headmaster winks at Harry just before Fox soars down to him. 
Dumbledore claps his hands above him, grasping the phoenix as the two disappear in a burst of flames, knocking Fudge, Kingsley, Dolish, and Umbridge backwards. They all stand back up and look to where Dumbledore had been as Kingsley tells the minister that he may not like him, but he can't deny that Dumbledore's got style. Style, motherfucker. It's just crazy to me that the movie summary is a paragraph and the book chapter is like two pages Yeah, of summary. Are you not used to this? It's just pretty spot on <laughs> for leaving out so much. Yeah. But the stuff that they left out would have only made it better and it would have barely added anything to the section. That's pretty much the theme of this entire series, I believe. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they do actually both start off in the same place because, yay, we had some control over where we cut the chapter and movie section. Yay. So, yes, it does start in Dumbledore's office. Quite a few extra people in it than there normally would be. In the book, Dumbledore is sitting behind his desk, mm -hmm. just chilling, doing his usual, probably like fingers folded up to his face type thing, right. looking very pensive and just <laughs> listening to what's going on. Mm -hmm. You also have Professor McGonagall standing next to him, and she does not look nearly as calm. She actually looks quite tense. It's the bun. <laughs> probably. It's a very severe look. It makes you look severe at all times, and I love it. Corny Fudge is standing by the fire mm -hmm. and doesn't look calm, doesn't look tense, but does look really fucking happy. Yeah. He thinks this is all coming together exactly as he ordered. Yeah. So He's constipated with happiness right uh -huh. now. Yeah. That Somebody's boy. about to give him some X-lax, though. It's not going to work out for <laughs> <Right>. him. <laughs> and like you said, in a very rare moment for the movie, this is pretty much a ding. Mm-hmm. We join the movie in Dumbledore's office after the raid on the Room of Requirement. Yep, ding. So ding, yeah. Umbridge is having a fit going off about Dumbledore's army, joined now by Corny Fudge, Samuel L. Shacklebolt, and another random ass horror, who we later find out is Dolish. While Dumbledore is just completely chill and just resting his butt on the edge of his desk, like just hanging out. Yeah, and aside from resting his butt on the edge of the desk, <laughs> the bell is still ringing. Because mm -hmm. in the book, Harry also sees Kingsley Shacklebolt and another wizard he doesn't recognize who does, in fact, turn out to be Dollish. Yeah. They're kind of like standing guard on either side of the door, though. It's a little different than how the movie set it up. Yeah, what are you going to do? And like I said, the main difference here is that book Dumbledore is behind his desk, not casually on his desk. Mm -hmm. Which is just so not Dumbledore-ish to me still. Like, I just... I mean, if you go by Jude Law, Fantastic Beast Dumbledore, that's what he does, too, is he, like, rests his butt on the edge of his desk on the yeah, front. Yeah, but that's but... Yumbledore. That's Yumbledore. different. <laughs> I mean, old habits die hard. Everybody wants to see Yumbledore be casual. <laughs> you don't think Michael Gammon's allowed to be casual? He's too casual. That's the problem. <laughs> He's either casual or angry. He's not Dumbledore. Yes, well... The gillyweed wears off eventually, Ellen. <laughs> he looks like it hasn't worn off yet. <laughs> it definitely hasn't. He's flying high. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, we also see Percy Weasley, who mm -hmm. is just hanging over by the wall mm -hmm. with his scroll and his feather quill. And he's just like ready to take all of the notes because he's still a major fucking brown noser. Oh, yeah. If Fudge is constipated with excitement, Percy is like 
excited with excitement. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's creepy. You know, I didn't need that image. Thank you. You got it Thank now. Thank you for that one. It is there. You're welcome. I'm a true friend, Ellen. What can I say? Yeah, that's what we're going to call that. Fun fact, Percy the Prick is in the movie, too. So, yay. But it's not to take notes. It's to manhandle children. He drags Harry and Cho by the backs of their robes to the other side of the room as Bitch Mall continues her tirade. Like, she's so far down the rabbit hole on this one, she can't even see light anymore. She's yeah. Like, she's like, this was a plot to take control of the ministry, and this is fucking different. She loses her fucking mind. Like, yeah. she's just... She drank the Kool-Aid. She might as well have, like, a cork board behind her with, like, string and push pins and, like... Yeah. <laughs> conspiracy theories. She might theories. have made the Kool-Aid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But this is where the bell stops ringing. Or maybe they keep on ringing it, but they took the dinger out. So it's just an empty bell doing nothing. Maybe, yeah. Because it's still similar. Mm-hmm. Like the intention of a ding is there. Yeah. But boy, did they drop a lot of details. <laughs> Nearly all of the details, really. Yeah. And then what they did include, they kind of changed. Not even kind of changed. And then what they did say, include, yeah. they changed. As they tend to do. Some of those other details that they completely left out are the fact that the portraits are very present in this moment. And they're not even bothering to do the pretend sleep thing to listen in. They are just <laughs> awake and engaged and going from portrait to portrait to whisper to one another, which gets even louder when Harry walks in the room with oh, umbrage. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is like a sewing circle up in that Yeah. Bitch. Not even pretending like they're not just what's no. happening. <laughs> They're just some gossipy old biddies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, my stuff. Oh, my th- I must clutch my pearls. Harry Potter is in the room. Oh, my God. Did you hear what Umbridge said to Dumbledore? Oh, my Lord. But anyway. Moving on. <laughs> Harry gets pulled into the office by Umbridge and then immediately pulls himself out of her grasp as the doors closed and he just looks right to Corny Fudge, who's glaring at him. So Harry gives his best glare back, because what else do you do? I mean, it's sassy Harry, so right. I'm sure that was a pretty boss glare, too. Right. Amazingly enough, despite the fact that his heart is absolutely pounding as he's glaring at the minister, he's feeling very cool and clear in his head. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of shocking for Harry, because normally when he's got the glare and the pounding heart, he's ready to just word vomit whatever insults slash mic drop comes to mind. Especially in this book. With Caps Lock Harry? Especially in the presence of these people. Exactly. Like, Caps Lock Harry normally would be ready to Caps Lock at this point. No, and he is... But he's just chill. Mute. And of course, in the movie, Harry couldn't pull out of Umbridge's grasp because he's not in her grasp. He's in Percy's grasp. Yeah. So, there's that differences minor but still different it's certainly not how it happened in the book never is (laughs) because other things that we never ever hear anything about course, that's not really how it happened in the movie but in the book pepto bitch mom tells corny fudge that the malfoy boy cornered harry Mm -hmm. which makes him so happy and he's like oh i'm gonna make a note to tell his father about that yeah and it's like a positive my father will hear about this moment right Corny Fudge also turns to Potter and just goes, so Potter, I expect you know why you're here. And Caps Lock Harry is ready to just be like, yeah, I do, bitch. (laughs) But before he can really get much more than yeah out, he catches Dumbledore's eye 
Mm-hmm. Well, not even really his eye because Dumbledore's refusing to look him in the eye still. It's more like he catches Dumbledore staring at his forehead <laughs> and give a very subtle shake of his head. And midway, he just goes, yeah, no. No, I don't. <laughs> and how great would that have been to see? Knowing how well Daniel Radcliffe can play that. Yeah. And he can play that. Yeah, no. D- definitely. Uh, no, no. Huh? Five seconds no. right there. Like, he did done it. And he'd have done it so good. I know. It makes me so mad. Boo. And then, of course, you have Corny Fudge, who's just, what? You don't know why you're here. He's like, no, I have no idea what's going on. I Mm -hmm. just... Deny, deny, deny. Yeah, I was just minding my own, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, I'm being tripped by this blonde Nazi Von douchebag that you seem to think should be praised. And now here I am in this office with all of these people, and I didn't do nothing. Right? Like, y'all are basically kidnapping me right now. You know that, right? Like, I didn't do shit. So, fuck off. Except Fudge then says, uh, you're not aware you've broken any school rules? Then he just goes, school rules? No. (laughs) Or ministry decrees? No, I have no idea. I just keep on playing dumb. (laughs) He does kind of feel like it would be really fun to do this. If his brain weren't going, I'm going to keep on lying because I can tell that's what Dumbledore just told me to do. But I have no idea how Dumbledore is going to spin this to get us out of this shit. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I'm fucked right now. Right. But I'm just going to keep lying. And it would be kind of fun if I weren't terrified of what was going to happen to me. Yep. But it really seems like Pepto Bitchmall got a full tip about the DA. And if she has an informant, mm-hmm. she has evidence. What are his lies going to get him out of? Yeah. So in order to, you know, keep specifying and trying to lead Harry to a confession, Mm -hmm. you can lead a Harry to water, but you can't make him confess. You can probably make him stick his nose in it. but (laughs) (laughs) Just tell him there's memories in it. Right. Right face first. There we go. Tell him there's something to meddle in down there. Right. But yeah, trying to lead him to the confession just flat out says, so you're trying to tell me it's news to you that an illegal student organization has been discovered within this school? Yep. Yep. That's that's <laughs> totally news to me. Pretty much. Illegal student organization, you say? <laughs> now he turns into the Southern Bell. My stars! Oh my! Who would ever start an illegal student organization? My goodness. Goodness me. <laughs> So Pepto Bitchmall thinks, you know what, let's just save some time here and go get the informant. Sure. Now, if you're watching the movie, you think the informant is already in the room as one Cho Chang. Yes. But in this situation, in the book, Fudge agrees. Pepto Bitchmall leaves. Mm-hmm. And there's this little comment of Fudge thinking he's getting one over on Dumbledore because he doesn't know what's about to happen. Yeah. Where he just says to Dumbledore... Nothing like a good witness, eh, Dumbledore? And Dumbledore, at this point, might actually be a little bit concerned because he's still trying to figure out how he's going to spin this, too, and that light bulb hasn't quite clicked yet. Yeah. The Lumos hasn't gone off on his wand above his head (laughs) at this moment. So he's feeling pretty grave and just agrees, yeah, good witness. Sure. I probably deserve that comment, but... (laughs) in the end i know this isn't going to work out well for you i just don't know what else to say yet so we just got to see what's going to happen and then pepto bitch mall comes back with joe's friend marietta this bitch (laughs) who was not in the movie at all Mm -hmm, no 
Which is why they couldn't have her in the office. Yes, but if they did have her in the office, she would have been covering her face with her hands like she was in the book. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting to me is they took all of this out too, and they could have technically put it on show and still included it in. Yeah, they could have, but they didn't. Yeah. They just kind of made you connect the dots yourself on that one. Yeah, but they weren't the dots that spelled out the word sneak. No, they were not. (laughs) Which is exactly what's on Marietta's face and why she's hiding it in her hands. In an effort to get her to come out of her hiding spot a little bit, Corny Fudge (laughs) and Pepto Bitch Mom both start praising her. Pepto Bitch Mom mentions that her mom is Madame Edgecombe. Mm-hmm. who's been helping them police the Hogwarts fires because she works for the ministry. And minister's just like, oh, like mother, like daughter. Gonna have to make a note to tell your mom just how great you've been, too, trying to help us out and do the right thing. I think mom's gonna see that for herself. That shit's gonna scar. Yeah, that shit's gonna scar. Mm-hmm. Or just be purple pustules forever. Right. I don't know, but we'll get to that. Either way, that's gonna leave a mark. <laughs> At this point, Corny Fudge has no idea why she's hiding her face and tries to get her to look up at him. And then when she does, he freaks out so much he jumps backwards. So that's really going to make her feel good. Yeah. Way to hide that shock, Corny. And this response basically just causes her to turtle back into her robes. Mm Mm-hmm. Understandably. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hideous. (laughs) Yes, yes, you are. Keep doing that. Yes. Pepto bitch mall is just like, don't mind the spots. Now, she does not give a fuck that this poor teenage girl is just fucking traumatized. Well. And then doubly so by being treated like she's some sort of hideous beast. To be fair, Pepto bitch mall has spent the entire year so far traumatizing children. So accurate. If anything, she probably just feels better that she didn't actually cause this one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like we were saying, tells her not to mind the spots now, which causes Marietta to just sob, shake her head. Mm -hmm. I imagine it looks like her neck is shaking since I just see her turtled (laughs) in the robes. Like you can't see her head. It looks like she's wearing a Weasley headless hat, Mm -hmm. but that she's also a little bit taller with slightly strange shaped shoulders. Sure. Anyway, not the point. The point is Pepto Bitch Mall's like, why find whatever? I'll tell him. She was dying to tell him anyway. Oh, yeah. She's dying to be the one wasn't going to do it right. Right? (laughs) She would have cut her off anyway, even if she could speak. She'd be like, no, you told me this. And then this is what happened, right? Nod your head and confirm this. Mm -hmm. Oh, do shut up. I'll just tell him. Yeah. But yeah, she explains that Miss Edgecombe showed up at her office just after dinner and informed her that if she goes to a secret room on the seventh floor, sometimes known as the room of requirement. Mm Mm-hmm. She's going to find out something to her advantage. And the only good thing here is that she started off being kind of vague, was still enough to give up the room for the hex to kick in and sneak to show up horribly disfiguring her face Mm -hmm. to the point where she sees it in the mirror and immediately panics and won't say anything else. And I don't blame her. Who knows how bad it could have gotten if she kept talking. Could have turned into sneaky bitch. I mean, it could have just been sneak, 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 sneak all over her whole face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could have been really bad. So she freaks out. She refuses to talk anymore. Corny Fudge gives her a very, like, probably not at all comforting because it specifically describes it as what he thinks is a fatherly look. There, there, young female child. 
Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> you did the right thing. That was very brave. Oh, do shut up. Stop your blubbering. Right. <laughs> Actually, I don't even think he says that much because he's just so focused on, well, what was the meeting about? Yeah. She still won't speak. So Fudge now is starting to get annoyed, too. Mm-hmm. Turns to Pepto Bitchmon and says, don't you have a counter jinx or something so she can speak freely? And Pepto Bitchmall has no choice but to say, yeah, we haven't been able to find one. <laughs> and Harry's just kind of like, yep, yeah, that's my Hermione's jinxing ability. Mm-hmm. That's my best friend, y'all. <laughs> and who that is Hermione's jinxing ability and fucking cunning. Don't fuck with her, man. I'm telling you, scary. Yeah. This is one of those times where you're like, man, I really hope she uses her powers for good instead of evil. Right? <laughs> Since the informant is not leading them in the direction they were hoping to go, Umbridge decides to bring up the report she got back in October that Potter had met some fellow students in the Hogshead. Dun, dun, dun. McGonagall speaks up at this point. Because mm-hmm. she can't not. Like, she's got a sass Pepto Bitch Maul a little bit, too. Oh, yeah. And this is just her moment. And she just wants to know, what evidence is there of that? To which Pepto Bitch Maul says, well, I have testimony from Willie Wittershins, who was in the bar, covered in bandages, it's true. But there was nothing wrong with his hearing, and he heard every word Potter said. Le gasp. Oh! Which was our trivia question. Yep. Immediately afterwards... Willie goes to the school to report it to Umbridge. But McGonagall doesn't give a fuck about any of that. She's just like, so wait a minute. This is why the ministry is not prosecuting Willie Wittershins for all of those regurgitating toilets. Interesting. Yeah, very hmm. interesting light shined on. There appears to have been a turn of events. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And one of the portraits starts to yell, blatant corruption! <laughs> Fortescue. Blatant corruption! And Dumbledore just says, that'll do Fortescue. Still calmly, still quietly. Just chill. I have a feeling that he doesn't have any extra energy to put towards raising his voice because it's all in his brain just worrying which way can I take this turn? I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, Mm -hmm. I could do this, I gotta listen to what they're saying. That'll do Fortescue. (laughs) Yeah. Pepto Bitch Mall is just completely oblivious to all of that going on anyway because she is just taking that hard dive into her cork board with all of the things pinned <laughs> all over it where she's saying like and this happened because of this and this happened because of this and it's obvious that the point of the meeting was to persuade them to join an illegal society with the aim to learn spells and curses that the ministry has decided are inappropriate even though you're going to be testing them on them bitch but yeah that's aside the point they're supposed to know them not do them and then in one of my first favorite dumbledore moments of this scene it kind of just kicks it off, really, but... Yeah. <laughs> Dumbledore cuts her off to say, I think you'll find you're wrong there. Doesn't say why she's wrong. Just, I think you'll find you're wrong. And Harry's just like, what the fuck is he going to say with this? Like, how is he going to talk himself out of this? And Fudge is also expecting some kind of ridiculous story, like Willie Wittershins was lying, or it was Potter's identical twin that day in the <laughs> hogshead. Or maybe it'll be something with the usual simple explanation that involves a reversal of time, a dead man coming back to life, and some invisible dementors. Wait, that sounds familiar. I think that was the plot of two books ago. Oh, yeah. 
It's been a while, but I think that's what that was. Yeah. The jailbird of the band. Got it. Or technically the invisible dementors would have been earlier on in this book. Well, technically, yes. We're jumping around. Yeah. It's all good. Time travel. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly. Tiny wimey stuff. Anyway, at his sarcastic comment about the usual simple explanation, Percy Weasley lets out his, you know, really brown-nosed laugh. He's practiced it for years. That's probably more of it. It just makes Harry really want to kick him, so I think that was pretty accurate. Yeah. Are you saying you want to kick me? No, I'm saying that that <laughs> laugh, if given to somebody who didn't actually deserve it or I didn't like, would then make me want to kick you. So are you saying you want to kick me? Is that what... <laughs> I'm Keep joking. it up. I want to kick you now. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get kicked in the face, Katie? Well, anywho, Harry does not get to play soccer with Percy's head because he's distracted when he sees that Dumbledore is also smiling at Corny Fudge's little joke. I mean, it was kind of funny. I think it was less at the joke and more at the own joke he has forming in his head. Oh, I know. <laughs> But he tells him, no, 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 I'm not denying that Harry was in the hogshead or trying to recruit students to a defense against the dark arts group. I'm just pointing out that the day they had that meeting, a group like that wasn't illegal. So Harry wasn't breaking any rules back in October. Mm-hmm. And I love this because he is not wrong. No. And they all know it. And Percy's just like the loophole. Uh-oh. Fudge just freezes with his mouth hanging open. And it's actually Pepto Bitch Mall who gets her shit together first and does her. It's been six months since educational decree number 24 was introduced. And those meetings that have happened since are absolutely illegal. Bitch. Right? Just bitch. And in Dumbledore's words, what that translates to is, oh, do you have evidence that those meetings have continued? I was under the impression that. There was just a meeting tonight. Mm-hmm. And while he's going through all of that, Harry swears that he can hear Kingsley whisper something and thinks he feels something brush past him. And mm-hmm. he's just like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck was that? A little slow on the uptake on this one, but he does figure it out eventually. Just takes him a minute. Yeah. But Pepto Bitch Mall decides to ask Marietta how long these meetings have been going on and says merely nodding or shaking your head probably won't make the spots worse. Mm-hmm. So she says, have these meetings been happening regularly over six months? And Harry just feels his stomach dropped because they have been happening for over six months. And if Marietta is going to answer that question, it's probably going to be a nod of her head because they have, in fact, been happening. True. Just to probably ramp up the tension, mm-hmm. Marietta doesn't answer immediately. So Umbridge keeps encouraging her. I was like needling, if you yes, will. Totally needles her. Mm-hmm. But eventually Marietta kind of looks up, like peeks her eyes up through the top of the robes, mm-hmm. just still making sure to keep sneak hidden as much as possible. And Harry notices that her eyes look a little blank. And then he also notices, to his shock, that she's shaking her head no. Hmm. No, there have not been meetings for the past six months. Interesting. I think to everybody involved, it's very clear what that means. But Pepto Bitchmall doesn't want to accept it. So she just flat out says, what do you mean shaking your head? And McGonagall's like, (laughs) well, clearly it means there have been no secret meetings for the past six months. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That's how I'm taking it. Yeah. Yeah. She turns to Marietta, right? No meetings for the past six months? And she nods her head. That's right. No meetings for the past six months. None at all. So Pepto Bitch Mall asks about the meeting that night, doesn't wait for an answer, calls Potter their leader. And this entire time, Marietta's just shaking her head. No, no, Potter wasn't the leader. Mm-hmm. He didn't start all of this. And Bitch Mall's like, why do you keep shaking your head? Why do you think, bitch? Right? McGonagall tells her that normally when somebody shakes their head, it means no. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Pepto Bitch Mall just full on grabs Marietta by the shoulders and starts shaking her. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dumbledore to his feet in an instant. Yeah. He even raises his wand. He is prepared to attack her for manhandling his students. Mm-hmm. Kingsley also moves forward and he uses his you know, reassuring slow Kingsley voice to tell her that she doesn't want to do that. She needs Mm -hmm. to calm down so she doesn't get herself in trouble. Yeah. Which she does. She lets her go. Marietta still looks weirdly blank. And now Harry's just like, oh, Kingsley and the whisper and the blank eyes. (laughs) Got it. I'm tracking. Oh, way to catch up, guy. Yeah. Whew. That really took a hot minute. At this point, Fudge interjects. To get the topic back to the meeting they happened tonight, since they did at least know that happened tonight, they basically caught him red-handed. Mm-hmm. In the book, it was more in scatter form, and in yeah. the movie, it was just blatantly red-handed. Yeah. But something was clearly going on that night, so they know that much. There are witnesses, there's an informant who's at least given him some of it. Yeah. It's as good as red-handed as they're yeah. going to get. So let's focus on this. Umbridge calms herself down pulls herself together and says she took certain trustworthy students with her. We were calling them the Inquisitorial Squad because they were technically already named that in the movie. Mm-hmm. It hasn't actually fully been created in the books. Yeah. Like she has ones that she considers trustworthy and brought along with her, but they haven't been knighted yet, <laughs> you could say. Yeah. In the movie, it was part of a montage. Yep. So there was that where she made an announcement. She was like, if you want to be part of the Inquisitorial Squad, please yep. come see me. And then you show her, like, pinning them. Like, yep. they're fucking exactly. high school sweethearts or some shit now. Already happened. Mm-hmm. But not in the book. Just the precursors. Yes. But she took these kids with her to catch them in the meeting. Like we said, red-handed. And when they got there, everyone was running. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because she sent Pansy Parkinson to go into the room of requirement to see if anything was left behind that could be evidence. And lo and behold, they find a list that says Dumbledore's army and has everyone that's been involved's name written on it. Hmm. With Potter's pretty much at the top. Interesting. And she said as soon as she saw his name, she knew what they were dealing with and took it right to Fudge. And she gives him the list. (laughs) And when he sees that the name of the group is Dumbledore's army, Dumbledore's just like, let me see that. (laughs) Like, he looks at it, and he just, like, reads it, and just kind of goes silent for a minute. And I feel like the only thing that could have been more perfect in this moment would be if Fox just gave, like, a little song in that (laughs) moment. Just because that had to make him feel good. Right. You know, he had to love the fact that they called their Defense Against the Dark Arts group Dumbledore's Army. Yeah. Like, that's some fucking loyalty right there. Loyalty matters to Dumbledore. Well, yeah, of course. Not to mention a little bit of an ego boost. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he is Gryffindor, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think Hufflepuff could very well be his secondary, especially since we painted him as hippie Dumbledore. Well, yes, there is that too. 
But loyalty definitely matters to him. Mm -hmm, For sure. But he gets past that moment of not being able to speak and looks back up and smiles and says, yep, game's up. Yeah, literally all of that was just skated over in the movie. It's like they just fast forwarded through this section of the chapter to do their favorite thing and condense shit. Yeah, and it's like they full on control alt deleted Marietta. Right? Like they just pinned all that shit on Cho, but also took out all the shit that they pinned on her. It's like they just took a little poop smear and were just like, here's your shit. (laughs) When in the book, they at least, you know, wrote sneak and shit across her face. Right? Like you get the idea that Cho is the one who snitched. And you get a little bit more of it later yeah a little bit barely anything it's just sort it's of a, sure as shit is no sneak written across your face and fucking pustules right so I and mean, a whole backstory that there was a hex and they couldn't find the counter jinx for it and mm-hmm. yeah the moment she told it showed up on her face just boo all of the boo <laughs> i'm just saying and honestly it's really disappointing that they didn't include the jinx on the paper they signed mm-hmm. because like you said that's just scary it's another point to the argument that Hermione could have been Slytherin. Oh, yeah. She is just full-on Granger danger in this book. She really is. But other than the fact that they left everything you just talked about out of the movie, it does basically line back up at this point, because Umbridge is all like, J'accuse Dumbledore! And Dumbledore's all like, oh, yeah, no doubt. And everybody's like, wait, huh? <laughs> <laughs> did he just did he just say, yeah, you got did- me? What is hell freezing over? Right? And then Harry's standing there and he's all like, Dumbledore, no. But Dumbledore's all like, Dumbledore, yes. And he takes all the blame for the DA. All of it. I love that line. Dumbledore, no. Dumbledore, yes. Because we always do the Harry, no, Harry, yes. And Harry's just over there like, I learned it from watching you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, man. But he tells Harry, thanks for having his back. But clearly, since it's Dumbledore's name on the paper and not Harry's, that's some pretty solid proof that he is the puppet master here. He tells Fudge and at all that he told Harry to start up the DA and therefore it was all him, baby. And that's basically how it <laughs> happened in the book. I mean, it does show that Dumbledore is taking the blame and echoes the sentiment that Harry doesn't want Dumbledore to do so. Yeah. But it's just so condensed. It's just there's so many more details. And Dumbledore is just so fucking. Oh. I mean, we get like a little bit of Dumbledore being so badass in the movie. Like for sure it's there, but it's not these details. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore just confesses. But then needles fudge about it. And he's like, do you need a written confession from me or will these witnesses be enough? Right. McGonagall and Kingsley immediately catch on to what's happening and they exchange a look. Mm -hmm. Like a very silent Order of the Phoenix look. (laughs) Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Oh, dear. But Fudge and Harry, especially. I don't know how other people. I don't know about Dawlish. I don't know about Pepto Bitch Mall. But Fudge and Harry are both definitely just really slow on the uptake for this one. Mm-hmm. So Fudge's confession. I don't. What, what's going on? Dumbledore's guy? like, geez, I have to spell it out for you. <laughs> the group is called Dumbledore's Army, not Potter's Army. Mm-hmm. And then Fudge gets his little Lumos wand above his head <laughs> and jumps back in fear. Fudge is freaking out because he thinks that Dumbledore is actually starting an army to try and take over at the ministry. 
And Dumbledore just decides, yep, this is the path. I'm just going to feed into this. And be like, yeah, tonight was supposed to be the first meeting to see if anyone was interested. Clearly, I shouldn't have invited Miss Edgecombe. Mm-hmm. Oops. And I love the fact that because her memory has been modified, she full-on nods at this point. <laughs> like, yep, totally a mistake to invite me. <laughs> mistake! Yeah. And Fudge is just like, you have been plotting against me. And Dumbledore just goes, yep, sure yep. have. Totally. And this is when Harry does the Dumbledore no. Dumbledore, <laughs> Dumbledore yes, yes moment in the book. Yeah, for sure. But it's actually Kingsley and McGonagall who just give him warning looks. Mm-hmm. What Dumbledore says to him is not like a thank you type thing. He says, you need to be quiet or you're going to end up blowing the cover completely. No. Mm. Okay, that's not exactly what he said, but it is heavily implied. Yeah. He doesn't give him a thank you for trying to stand up for me and take the heat for me type comment. Yeah. He's just like, shut up or you're going to have to leave my office because you're going to blow it. Mm-hmm. I'm about to get you out of this, kid. Shut your mouth. Yeah, Dumbledore's like, Ixnay on the aim blade. Like, <laughs> right. just shut I up. I got this. Stop it. Bro, be cool. Just be cool. <laughs> In a significantly less Ixnay kind of way, mm -hmm. Fudge just flat out tells Harry to shut up. Direct approach? Sure. Yes. <laughs> but he's also so excited at this turn of events because he thought he got there to expel Potter. He thought that opportunity was finally going to happen. Right. Instead, he finds out that he gets to arrest a Dumbledore. That's a good day. Yeah, Dumbledore smiles and just says, it's like losing a knut and finding a galleon. <laughs> He's just so completely unfazed by all of this because he already knows what's going to happen. I do believe he has no fucks left to give at this I point. I know, and I just, that line, I would have just loved to see Dumbledore being so serene mm -hmm. about the fact that he's taken the blame for this. Yeah. Like, he was chill in the movie, but we didn't get this excellent it dialogue. This. It wasn't this It wasn't chill. this. No. And Fudge wasn't that excited. No, and he, he should have been. Yeah, he was just kind of like, yep, guys, just, but we're getting there. Fudge is completely oblivious to Dumbledore's serenity, which should be a huge clue to him that this is not going to work out the way he thinks it's going to work out. But he's just yelling to Percy to make sure he got everything down, and Percy's just like, yep, yep, and Fudge is just like, the part where he confessed, where he said he was plotting against me, and Percy's like, yep, I got it on. Fudge is like, duplicate the notes and send them off to the Daily Prophet immediately. If we can get them out quickly, we can still make it to the morning edition. Again, similar, but condensed. As Corny Fudge in the movie is feeling super vindicated and wants this to be in the news ASAP, he sends Percy to Prick to inform the Daily Prophet and tells Dawlish and Shacklebolt to haul Dumbledore's old ass to the band so he can sit and think about what he's done. Harumph. Harumph. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dumbledore will be having none of his shit. None of it. No, not at all. He walks around his desk and informs the group that he'll be fucked if they think that he's actually going to come quietly. Y'all can just keep on dreaming. Yeah, and this is about the strongest ding they have ever given this iteration of movie Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. As he actually says this line basically word for word in the book. Like, it's damn close to the same line and i can't yeah. even express how grateful that i am that it made it in because until this point 
Louis Dumbledore has been unbelievably disappointing. Yeah. If he's in it at all, he just fucking sucks and isn't Dumbledore. Yeah. This is the most Dumbledore he has ever been, and they still depleted him of everything that makes him Dumbledore. That's kind of sad, really. I know. It's really sad. Because Percy hurries away because he wants to go get this in the news. Fudge turns back to Dumbledore and says to him, you're going to be escorted back to the ministry where you'll be formally charged and sent to Azkaban to await trial. Dumbledore, very much the way that it was done in the movie as well, just very calmly says, yes, I thought we'd hit this snag. Mm-hmm. Fudge is like, snag, I see no snag. He's like, well, I do. <laughs> Because you seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to, what was the phrase? Come quietly. I have no intention of going to Azkaban. I could just break out, of course. Right. Yeah. That would be such a waste of time. And frankly, I can think of a whole host of other things I would rather be doing. It's very Dumbledore. It's very Dumbledore. (laughs) The movie doesn't quite hit that level of badassery. It's not quite... But at least it did include the best part of the line. There is that. Like, thank God that was in there. Right. It is the only thing that saved this scene for me. Yeah. There were definite issues. And it would have been a total loss, but at least they kept in that line. Because it was a pretty boss move. Uh Uh-huh. Especially since, once again, the movie has to go in and change things slash remove details that I just really loved. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Yeah. In the book, you've got Pepto Bitchmel's face just growing redder and redder. And I know that's a really hard thing to fake in a movie scene, but oh, she could have done it. She probably could have. She could get her blood it. pressure up a little bit for the scene. Imelda's boss like that. Yeah. Could have done it. Corny Fudge is just looking at Dumbledore like he's been stunned. But then he looks over to Kingsley and the other Auror mm-hmm. that we know is dollish, but we're about to find out right now that he's dollish. Mm-hmm. But he gives Fudge a nod. And starts to move away from his post at the door, reaching towards his wand. And in super badass moment number, what are we up to in this scene? Three? Four? For Dumbledore? Sounds about right. Totally lost count, but Dumbledore just says, don't be silly, dollish. This is how we know it's dollish. Yeah. I'm sure you're an excellent auror. I seem to recall that you got outstandings on all of your NEWTs. But if you attempt to bring me in by force, I will have to hurt you. So badass. (laughs) Just, (laughs) I don't want to, guy. But if you don't step back, I'm I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to fuck you up hard. Just save yourself at this point, really. That's what he's saying. Mm Mm-hmm. And Dalish, having gotten 12 outstandings on his NEWTs, is smart enough to know that Dumbledore is not just talking out of his ass. No. And he stops and blinks and looks back at Fudge and is just like, what do I do, boss? Fudge claims to get out of his little bit of a stunned motion there and just says, what are you going to do, Dumbledore? Take on Dalish, Shacklebolt, Dolores, and myself single-handedly? I mean, first off... Let's talk about what kind of a threat you and Umbridge are, sir. (laughs) Like, Dolish and Shacklebolt, yeah, okay. But you're going to throw yourself in that mix? Like, you're shit at all? You ain't shit. You ain't shit. You are not shit, my friend. And that's probably totally what's going through Dumbledore's head, but he just smiles and says, only if you're foolish enough to force me to. Oh. 
McGonagall has her own badass moment where she insists that he won't be single-handed, but Dumbledore just says, yes, he will, because Hogwarts needs you. Which is a very good point. And I love this interaction, because first of all, Minerva wasn't even in the room. Right. But I would have just loved to see a little bit more interactions between the two of them, because I just imagine them to be besties. Well, yeah. And we never got to see enough of that. No, not at all. And she's standing there next to him. And I just love the fact that she says, he won't be alone. And he says, yes, he will. Like, I, just, <laughs> I really would have liked to see that little moment between them. Yeah. It's another like Dumbledore, no. Dumbledore, Dumbledore yes. yes. I learned it up. from watching you. <laughs> exactly. But Fudge decides that he doesn't give a fuck and pulls out his own wand and orders Dollish and Shackable to take him. This just leads to a streak of silver light, a loud bang, and Harry feels somebody grab him by the neck and force him down to the floor. Like you do. The movie has Pepto Bitch Mall be the one to give that order as she loses the little tiny bit of cool that she had left and she shouts for the henchman to get him like any good movie villain does. Unfortunately for her, Dumbledore Dunn brought a phoenix to a shouting match. <laughs> Which does align with the book, but not in the same way mm -mm. at all really no but it's kind of fun it is fun i don't dislike it it's just different there's more details in the book yeah there's more flashes and screams from the portraits and fox screeching and a lot of dust a shriek a thud someone crying no breaking glass scuffling footsteps a groan and then silence and I really just would have liked that little moment where it's just like dust in the air and you can't see anything, but you hear all that sound, kind of like it's from Harry's perspective since he's forced down on the ground and can't see it and just hears all of that. Mm -hmm. So it would have just been kind of nice to have like the dust cloud from a bang or smoke cloud or something and yeah. all of that sound effects just happening. Ten seconds. Sure. Done. But no, it's not in there like that. You got the line, Ellen. I did get the line. You can't expect to get anything else literally nothing else but i do expect it well you're not gonna high bar <laughs> but once we hit that moment of silence harry has an opportunity to look around and he sees that it's mcgonagall who had pulled him and marietta out of the way mm -hmm. and dumbledore's the only one up and moving and he just comes right up to him asks if they're okay they all get up the dust is clearing and they can just see that dumbledore's office is just fucking trashed his desk's overturned, tables are overturned, his silver instruments are just in pieces. Fudge, Umbridge, Kingsley, and Dawlish are all completely motionless on the floor, and then Fox is just flying around above him. Mm -hmm. Again, this is all, like, it's a lot of detail to talk about, but it's seconds yeah. in a scene. Dumbledore says he had to hex Kingsley, too, so it wouldn't look suspicious, mm -hmm. but then asks Minerva to thank him for modifying Marietta's memory because it was really quick on the uptake. Yeah. Then he also mentions that they're all going to wake soon, so it's best that they don't know they had this time to communicate. Mm-hmm. Well, they definitely didn't in the movie, so... Yeah, they didn't give anything like this. No. McGonagall asks him where he's going to go, wanting to know if he's going to go to Grimmauld Place in Dumbledore, because he just keeps being the badass, says, no, I am not going into hiding. I promise you that Fudge is really really gonna regret dislodging me from hogwarts mm -hmm. oh he's gonna know where the fuck i am shouting from the mountains but still can't catch him right harry starts to apologize for getting him into this mess because of course it is all his meddling fucking fault meddling marie potter yep harry james meddling marie potter that's what he does yep dumbledore doesn't have time for 
this apology. It's done. He's got to go. Just needs to tell him, make sure you study occlumency. Make sure you practice closing your mind every single night. Promise me you need to do this. And then Dalish begins to stir. So he's just like, practice. Close your mind. Remember. And he grabs his wrist. Mm-hmm. Harry feels that pain in his scar mm-hmm. and that terrible snake-like longing to attack Dumbledore oh, yeah. again. He wants to bitch slap him. Yeah, he is not happy the moment that Dumbledore touched his wrist. But then Fox is circling around and swoops down towards them. Dumbledore lets go of Harry's wrist and there's like a bit of a reprieve from that feeling. Mm-hmm. Not that it matters because he's super distracted by Dumbledore grabbing Fox's golden tail and in a flash of fire poof gone disappear nowhere near poof yeah only that last part basically happens in the movie <laughs> just that last little just two Tail, lines. poof <laughs> yeah basically yes the brief conversation between harry dumbledore and mcgonagall is left out as well as the entire struggle even though it could have been done in 10 seconds sure since they don't give dumbledore the opportunity to be an absolute boss and take four opponents out at once well like Three opponents and one pretend opponent, so maybe like three and a half opponents. Although that's still totally badass. And still totally not included. <laughs> that's the yeah. So there's that, yeah. Instead, with all the witnesses, Dumbledore just claps his hands over his head or starts to do the YMCA, one of the two, I'm not quite sure. And Fox flies down to him, and the two disappear with a burst of flames, leaving everybody scrambling and almost getting knocked on their asses. So... Maybe he was doing the YMCA. <laughs> Ellen. What? For fuck's sake. Can, <laughs> can we just have one? Just one. Just one episode. Probably not. <sighs> and we do have a little bit of a ding on the first part where Dumbledore grabs the phoenix tail and poof disappears into flames. Sure. But then the second part here where it knocks everybody over and leaves them scrambling to get back up is yeah. a bit of a dynamic switch little bit because they were all knocked out in the book and they have no idea where Dumbledore went mm-hmm. or how he got out at yeah. all yeah so when Fudge wakes back up and pushes himself off the ground he's just freaking out yelling about Dumbledore being gone he was just here where is he and Kingsley's jumping I'm going I don't know where he is <laughs> Umbridge is yelling that he can't have disapparated inside the grounds and Dollish is like the stairs and just runs out the door and then <laughs> Kingsley and Umbridge run after him. Like, it's chaos. Yeah. It's a totally different dynamic. It's a Looney Tunes cartoon. And I would have really liked to watch this. <laughs> like, the only thing missing is, like, Kingsley and Dollish, like, bumping into each other, trying to go opposite ways. and Or trying to, like, go through the door at the same time and getting yeah, stuck. Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> it should have happened that way. It was just so madcap. Like... Yeah. So now we have Fudge, Minerva, Harry, and Marietta as the only ones left in the office. Because mm-hmm. they all went running down the stairs to see where Dumbledore went. Yeah. Because he was just going to walk out of the castle. Guys, come on. But Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? <laughs> Which way did he go, Harry? Which way did he go? <laughs> That's kind of what Umbridge will do next chapter. But... Yeah. <laughs> anyway... Fudge turns to McGonagall and just says, looks like this is the end of your friend Dumbledore. And she just says, oh, you think so? But Fudge is so busy looking around the office that he doesn't even hear what she says, which is probably for the better. Yeah. She probably should take some of her own advice that she gives to Harry 
mm-hmm. and just stop talking. Yeah. Just calm your tits. Let's just let things play out for a bit. <laughs> With McGonagall, too. I learned it from watching you. Yeah, exactly. You're so sassy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love it. Now I feel like Harry's meddling and sass is literally just from watching the two closest things he has to parents at Hogwarts. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. They just completely turned him into what he is. Yeah. Not no on that, for Not sure. Not no on that. <laughs> I love this part, too. And it could have been so easy to do. Because as Fudge is looking around the office... The portraits are hissing at him, and a couple of them are even making rude hand gestures. (laughs) And I just really, just in the background, would love to have seen a portrait flicking off the minister. We need more rude paintings. We really do. (laughs) Fudge just ignores them, looks back at McGonagall and says, you better get them off to bed. So she doesn't respond beyond marching them out the door. Mm -hmm. And as the door is closing, Harry hears Phineas Nigellus tell the minister that... You may disagree with Dumbledore on many counts, but you cannot deny he's got style. The movie did at least give us this line. Thank God. Right? (laughs) But they, of course, had to change it. Because why not? Instead of Phineas Nigellus saying it, we get Samuel L. Shacklebolt stepping up next to Corny Fudge to point out that he may not like it, but he can't deny that Dumbledore's got style. I don't mind that they didn't have it said by Phineas, especially since he barely exists beyond a brief mention in the movie. Right. And I'm really glad that they still included it, especially coming from Kingsley, because it's basically ear candy. Oh, my God. Whew. And speaking of Kingsley, we put off talking about the actor until now for this exact moment. Yeah, we just wanted a little bit of time to gush. Right. Because George Harris bomb voice oh his voice is great dude and he gave off that very reassuring calm that the book always Mm -hmm. wrote about and the voice especially helped that but they described it as that slow deep voice yeah and that's just exactly what it was and it was even better to hear than it was to read about he is just a badass muggle fucker is what he is he sure is (laughs) and he did such a good job saying that line i definitely didn't mind Mm -hmm. i know we talked about him a little bit because he has had other scenes, but this is the one that this was just like his moment. Yeah. And I really wish that he had been given a few more moments. Like he should have gotten that opportunity to modify the memory. Oh, yeah. Honestly, they could have kept the story the same. If they really didn't want to use Marietta, they could have just done it all to Cho. Yeah. But then they would have had to question her at all, which they didn't do in the movie. My point is they should have done it in the movie. Well, yes. (laughs) Believe me, I am down with anything that would have given us more George Harris. Had they had Pepto-Bitch-Ma shaking Cho or Marietta if they had actually included her. Mm -hmm. And they could have had him step forward and use that voice to tell her to Mm -hmm. get herself together. I just want to hear him say all of it. Actually, I kind of just want him to read me the book. Ooh. I would be there for that. Yeah. For sure. Great voice. Mm-hmm. Fit the character well, I thought. Loved it. Love him. I mean, voice aside, he's an excellent actor, too. Yeah. Multi-talented, really. Yes. <laughs> but that's pretty much the only one that we have to talk about in this scene that we didn't extensively talk about before. Mm-hmm. Or feel like we need to talk about. Yeah. Dolish didn't have any speaking lines. No, he so didn't do just... much. He just stood there, really. Yeah. But he looked great standing there. <laughs> 
Anyway, our Potter pondering this week is what are your thoughts on the movie removing Marietta and making Cho the traitor? Hmm. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Kenny Rankin. He writes, I'm Hufflepuff, and my Ilvermorny house is Thunderbird. My wand is ten and three quarters inches, elm wood with a unicorn hair core. My Patronus is a Manx cat. When I was in the third grade, 1999-2000, I had won a free book. And I had gravitated towards Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone when my teacher snatched the book out of my hand and told me that that book is too hard for me. When my mom learned this story, she made sure that the Easter Bunny brought me a copy. When we found out that it was indeed too difficult for me, it became our bedtime story until I could read it for myself. The following school year, she set up a birthday party for me and my classmates that was Harry Potter themed, complete with chocolate frogs, butterbeer, or cream soda, and Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans, and so on. Once, Mom signed me up for a release party for The Order of the Phoenix at the library where they allowed us to have the book five hours before everyone else I knew. I've only waited for a book at midnight for The Deathly Hollows. Snape is my favorite character because of his pure love and outstanding courage. Aww. Yeah, it makes me so mad that the teacher took the book away. Right? Like, why? Okay, so it might be too hard, but it's his book. He can take it home and he can read it with his family, and that's ideal. Like, you should be encouraging reading. Why would you take a book away? Like, that doesn't make sense. And how are they ever going to get better if you don't give them that opportunity to challenge themselves? Yes, Kenny, we find your past teacher rude. And I am a teacher, so I'm qualified to say that. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, how many galleons are Fred and George charging for the deflagration deluxe box of Weasley's wildfire whizbangs? The first one who responds with the correct answer in the code word hashtag waiting list will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. 
And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 28, Snape's worst memory, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calm and Harry on! Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake.